0: Is an Odyssey original.
1: This is Coronavirus Daily, world on pause. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. So the headlines seemed ominous, pretty depressing about the vaccines and the South African variant in particular. CNBC said COVID variants from South Africa able to break through Pfizer vaccine. U.S. News and World Reports: South African variants may evade protection from Pfizer vaccine not good right but it may not be as bad as the headlines seem we'll talk with one of the israeli researchers who studied how pfizer's vaccine in particular worked against the south african and uk variants vaccination rates in this country in the u.s going up we've had some good days but several states still dealing with a surge in cases so we'll look into what's going on because those seem like opposite things right and we'll look into how grocery shopping has changed during the pandemic. But we start with the vaccines and the variants. Dr. Shea Ben-Shakar, Director of Precision Medicine and Genomics at the Clalets Research Institute at Tel Aviv University. Charles and I were with him. We asked the doctor what he found.
2: All right, so uh, to, I would like to emphasize that the vaccinations are really effective and they are still very effective. And we looked at all of those cases breakthrough among Israeli population that was either partially or uh, fully vaccinated. All of the Israeli population is vaccinated by uh, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. W- what we did in the study, we just looked with those uh, rare cases of the breakthrough, and among those people, we did sequencing.
0: So, uh, and, and here's where I think it gets probably a little confusing to lay people, so maybe you can help clear this up, because... The headlines uh, in the past few days, uh, at least the ones that 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 I've read, you know, have all said uh, the this South African variant can break through the Pfizer vaccine. And I think a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that that means that the vaccine is ineffective against this variant. But that's not the case, is it? This is not the case, this is not what we said. So what what we saw is that
2: the amount of the breakthrough is uh, very small. However, among uh, those cases, there was some enrichment of the South uh, African variant uh, compared uh, to the British and the regular, what we call the Chinese uh, or the white type variant. It just means, that the vaccine is a bit less effective against the South African. However, we do think that it is a it is really still effective because what we saw that the proportion of the South African among the vaccinated individuals raised from zero point seven percent to five point three.
1: When it does break through, are we talking a case that's asymptomatic, but you test for it and then you see it, or is it mild to moderate symptoms, or does anybody actually end up in the hospital?
2: All we could look for was uh, what is the specific variant, because when you are a positive for for COVID nineteen, the the reason for the the severity is related not uh, mainly to many other factors like your age your uh, weight and BMI, your sex. And we could not check for those in the very small numbers of the individuals who were vaccinated and had a COVID-19 infection.
0: So again, to be really clear, uh, the study, your study was not designed and therefore could not answer the question whether or not if somebody is vaccinated, with the Pfizer vaccine, and still gets infected with the South African variant, whether or not that person is going to be still protected from a uh, serious illness. You can't answer that. No, I
2: can't. However, we do know uh, from previous uh, papers, including ours, uh, about mainly about the British uh, variant, that actually... The vaccine is not only good uh, to prevent an uh, infection, it is really very effective in decreasing the severity of the infection. And there is no reason to believe that the case will be different from the, for the South African variant.
1: Does this say anything about the importance of making sure you get that second dose and not just the first one?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We looked, uh, additionally, we looked at those individuals uh, which were what we call partially vaccinated. So those that there was fourteen days past the first vaccine, but uh, were not till one week after the second one, and among those individuals, we did see increased level actually of the British, uh, of the British variant, but this uh, incre- increasing totally disappeared when they were fully vaccinated.
0: Let me ask you uh, one last question, and then we'll let you go. Uh, we don't have, as far as we know many cases in the U.S. yet uh, involving this South African variant. But if that were to to uh, accelerate, people who are vaccinated, especially with a Pfizer vaccine, since that's the one you studied, should they not be that concerned about, you know, whether or not this South African variant becomes more prevalent in the U.S.?
2: I think that First of all, indeed, the South African variants is rare in the States, just as in Israel in Israel currently. However, if it will be prevalent, there might be a little bit more, uh, more risk. And I think the main message of our work is not that people should be worried, they should not, Is that we really need to sequence as many viruses as we can. So we cannot just say, you know, we did PCR or positive for COVID-19 uh, and so on. We really need to look for the type and the variants of the COVID-19 in our area.
1: Dr. Shay ben Shikar, Director of Precision Medicine Genomics at the Clalitz Research Institute at Tel Aviv University. More than 100 million people across the U.S. have had at least one vaccine dose, roughly a third of the population. Daily record, 4.6 million on Saturday, April 10th. But there are cases that are surging in several states. So two different COVID realities right now with the surges and then the mass vaccine efforts. Angela Rasmussen with us, virologist at the Georgetown Center for Global Health and Science and Security. Charles and I talked to her about how do we have these dual realities with more and more people getting shots in the arms and then more and more people getting infected.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been really tricky for people to unpack because the message that we've been hearing about the vaccines um, correctly is that they're really, really wonderful and that they're very, very effective and they are very protective. The problem here is that we haven't been hearing another message that people still do need to hear, and that is that the vaccines don't work immediately. Um, when you get these vaccines, any of them, uh, it takes several weeks for any type of protection to uh, come into play. So during that time, you're effectively unprotected and people need to still uh, remain um, conscious and vigilant of the precautions that they should be taking to reduce their exposure risk. Unfortunately, a number of states uh, started reopening um, at, at different rates, but, but probably too fast um for where we were a couple months ago with regard to getting the population vaccinated and so what we have is is more opportunity for people to come into contact with each other we have variants spreading such as the B117 variant in the upper midwest that is more transmissible and we don't have enough people vaccinated yet so that that really is i think the reason behind some of these surges that we're seeing
1: and is it still a patchwork that you know we're not seeing these surges everywhere it is only in some states some regions, or is everybody starting to tick up a little bit? Because you, you look around here and you have the sense that, okay, California's doing pretty good right now. But well, then you look at Michigan and you go, oh, okay, well, they're not.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, it is going to vary a lot by community to community, not even just from state to state. For example, I'm in Washington state right now, I'm in the Seattle area. And while we aren't experiencing a surge, we have seen some really alarming increases in new case numbers over the past couple of weeks in King County. Um, So I think that every place should really take notice. um, And given that vaccines are rolling out in different states at different rates and people have different access to those vaccines, we just need to think long and hard about the types of activities that we're going to engage in uh, until more people in the population get vaccinated. Certainly Michigan, uh, Minnesota, they could be all of us um, in a few weeks.
0: And and variants. Uh, how much do you think, uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are seeing these figures and they're going, oh, you know what must be happening? It's all these variants and the vaccines aren't effective.
3: So that that is absolutely not true. Um, one thing, though, that we do know is that the vaccines are very effective against the variants. Um, we do expect to see some what are called breakthrough infections with any vaccine. No vaccine is 100 percent perfect. But the vaccines really do provide exceptional protection against all of the known variants that are circulating, including the B117 variant. What people do need to keep in mind though, again, is that the second you get a vaccine shot in your arm, you are not 100% protected from that, that exact moment. It takes time for the immunity, uh, generated by these vaccines to build up. So during that, that building up period, um, and again, some people have not yet been able to access vaccines. People are still vulnerable, vulnerable. The B117 variant that's dominant right now is actually um, really not susceptible. It, it is still just as susceptible uh, to these vaccines as every other variant. Um, the, the variants of concern with the vaccines are the B1351 variant, the P1 variant. Um, those are those are not as common, fortunately. But the B117 variant is very transmissible. It's known to be more transmissible than many of the other circulating variants. So while people don't have full protection from the vaccines, they're still vulnerable to becoming infected with B117 or any of the circulating variants. So that's what people should really keep in mind. Keep masking, keep distancing, keep staying home if you can uh, until more people are able to get vaccinated and then wait that additional extra time for that immunity to build up.
1: Dr. Angela Rasmussen, virologist, Georgetown Center for Global Health Science and Security. Short break, and then grocery shopping, different now. Are the changes going to stick with us? Grocery shopping, got to do it, still a necessity, need food, right? More people having groceries delivered, though, if they can. There's other changes that have happened because of the pandemic. People have changed what they buy, when they shop. KYW's Matt Leon caught up with Claudia Roman-Yuck, who's an Instacart Trends expert about what's different now.
4: Well, it's been a year since the first shelter-in-places were announced in America. And so we wanted to understand how online grocery shopping and grocery shopping in general has changed for Americans. We conducted a Harris poll, so we interviewed thousands of customers from across the country or, or Americans from across the country. And we also dug into our own data. We looked at uh, shopper chat logs with with the individuals who pick their groceries in aggregate. We also looked at search trends, what are customers searching for and buying. And so all of this data helped paint a picture about some major shifts in the grocery industry over the last year.
5: What's the biggest headline for you? What was the, the biggest takeaway that you think overall and how grocery shopping has changed?
4: One of my favorites is that there's no longer one individual that's buying groceries for the household. So often there's sort of that primary care provider who takes care of that and sort of carries the anxiety of what to eat for dinner. What we've seen as a change is that in three-fourths of households, Gen Zs and Millennials have been stepping in to help build grocery carts. Now that things are online, we see people building carts together. So couples might both be contributing and having a dialogue about groceries. That's quite exciting. Another thing that marks a generation's old shift is buying groceries on the weekends. That's something that people have always done. It's when people have time to go and really spend hours in the grocery store picking what they need. Because people have been at home and because we've been able to shop online and build their carts between meetings uh, when they just need a break, when they've got a moment away from the kids, whatever it is, customers have started thinking about grocery throughout the middle of the day. And I believe this will continue because you can have your groceries delivered in the evening still, but you can build your cart at any time of the day.
5: I know for much of the pandemic, I did the grocery shopping for my parents in a separate household I'm imagining I wasn't alone in that. Is that something you saw of fam? maybe not even families, but friends kind of pooling and one person being responsible to limit risk, stuff like that?
4: Absolutely. I think as individuals discovered online grocery, they started to think, how can I help others with this? So we have seen people building carts for their older family members. We've seen individuals using online grocery to send gifts to others throughout the year. Um, You know, a birthday present can be delivered and shopped from a grocery store. But we've also actually seen seniors getting onto our platform in and of themselves. So they were actually our biggest segment that grew on the platform, so much so that we built a special service center around uh, helping seniors learn how to shop online and shop for groceries online.
5: How much has what people bought changed i mean we heard the anecdotes and the stories at the beginning everybody making bread and stuff like that but was there a fundamental shift in a lot of ways in what the average order focused on totally customer
4: anxiety around making sure things stayed stock in stay in stock has remained to this day so i think after going through the what am i going to do if i run out of toilet paper sort of anxiety, customers are continuing to keep their pantry stocked, their household goods stocked, and customers are also thinking more about eating healthy. So on the back of all of this cooking at home that's happened, customers have learned a lot about the ingredients that they're putting into their bodies. And so a huge segment of our customers have actually told us that even as they continue to go out and eat at restaurants or, or buy their, uh, continue to buy groceries long after the pandemic, they're going to be looking for healthful food to eat.
5: How many, how, how many of these changes we've seen were pandemic specific and how many of them do you think were things that we could have seen, but it might have been a trend that took 10 years that was exacerbated by the pandemic that really turned things around quickly? Because we've seen that in other aspects where you talk to people and they say, well, this was going to happen. We figured it would take 10 years to get there, but because of the pandemic, we we see it now. Is there any of that in, in the information you've seen here in grocery trends and habits?
4: Yeah. I mean, honestly, even shopping online is something that was likely inevitable, and this was just accelerated. In other parts of the world... Shopping for groceries has been happening for 10 years online. Uh, And and so that was, even that was a major shift um, that was sort of inevitable and got thrust upon us. But I think some of the bigger changes are really going to be around drawing inspiration for what to cook from things like social media. Um, TikTok really took off this year as a way of finding recipes. Even at home, my boyfriend would constantly be showing me in the morning different recipes he was finding on his phone. And so I think the, the medium in which people socialize what they're eating and and how they're constructing what they're eating will change as well and be and and was surely inevitable, um, but was thrust forward by the pandemic.
5: What are you expecting in the year to come? Let's imagine a world where the pandemic is completely in the rearview mirror and we're back to whatever a new normal is or is close to what we we remembered as normal. Uh, Do you see a lot of this? stuff sticking around or do you think there might be a a slow uh backtracking to to the the habits people had for years if not decades
4: yeah well we asked our customers and 77 percent of respondents told us that they do plan to continue shopping online for groceries so i think the online trend is certainly here to stay in terms of what sort of habits will will stay and what will change I think a more short-term habit might be things like quick, convenient drinks. Uh, We actually saw premixed cocktails really take off during the pandemic, and this makes sense. It's something you can throw in your bag, go meet up with your friends, and have an easy, socially distanced drink without having to mix any sort of cocktails or open a wine bottle. I think things like that, that were very simplified dishes for quick consumption, might actually trend away. What we will stay, what I do believe we'll see continue to stay is um, cooking at home. I think people have just built a lot of skills around how they cook. Uh, mindfulness, as I said, around h- healthy ingredients. And, and again, keeping pantries more stocked. Um, yeah, those are the big ones.
5: One of the things that was interesting to me that jumped out, and it, it makes sense when you think about it. There was so much bad news and all boy, people really look forward to the holidays, didn't they? <laughs> yes, yes.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we the first time we really observed this is we were wondering if pumpkin spice season was starting to pick up. And we, we started to look into this in the summer. And what we saw was that actually customers have been searching for pumpkin spices in, in, in as early as the spring. People just wanted this comfort of knowing um, – that, that that they had something like traditional to fall back on and something more comfortable that they could lean into uh, during worrying year. So we saw Advent calendar searches starting in the summer. And, and this really seemed to be something that per, took off throughout the year. It was just individuals looking for the holidays to come sooner and also looking to fill their house with more holiday goods.
5: Yeah, and anecdotally, me and my son drive around and look at at decorations like at Christmas time. And you started to see Christmas decorations like the second week of November. Usually it's that, you know, after Thanksgiving and it was noticeable that, and it, but it makes sense. People are looking for something that brings them joy, brings them excitement. So, well, I saw the numbers of the holiday stuff in the report. They jumped out at me, but then you think about it. Yeah, it makes sense.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think we had the same reaction on on our side. We're like, wow. Yeah. This has been a tough year, and people are looking for comfort.
1: Bhutan is a country that doesn't get talked about too much. If you're wondering where it is, pull out the map. Himalayas, south of China, east of Nepal. They're making news now because they've been pretty efficient at vaccinating people. So efficient, they've got to nearly 93% of the adult population since March 27th. Overall, 62% of the 800,000 people, relatively small population, but success has been attributed to the dedicated citizen volunteers and an established cold chain storage system used in earlier vaccination drives. This is an Odyssey original. Thanks for listening. Find us on the Odyssey app and odyssey.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.